to talk to you this morning about uh, some sounds that we all know about. First, uh, the sound of a, a tornado siren, or the sound of an ambulance, or the sound of a fire alarm. What do all those sounds have in common? Well, they all have in common that they announce either that a disaster is in progress or one is about to take place. But the Bible tells us that disaster itself is, is a siren. It is a warning. It ought to get our attention because although God doesn't is not the source of every disaster that comes, certainly in the midst of every disaster, God is speaking, ringing a warning, a siren of an even greater disaster to come. So the title of my message this morning is The Siren of Disaster. Thankfully, most of us are, unfamiliar, are unfamiliar with disaster. We sometimes feel the sting of it when tragedy strikes our family, but we have not been a part of some widespread collective disaster until now. And thankfully, in our country, uh, in our community, it has not been as bad as it could have been. In 2011, when I was living in northwest Alabama, an F5 tornado struck the area where I was living. The destruction was indescribable. First that day, a tornado hit the little town of Smithville, Mississippi, just to the west of us. The city hall, the post office, four churches, several businesses, the water system, the police station, the funeral home, all were destroyed. Granite tombstones in the cemetery were turned over in the direction the tornado was heading. One of the roads was torn up. Chips of tar and pavement were just rolled up in a pile uh, by the tornado. In the little town of less than 1,000 people, 117 structures were destroyed uh, and damaged. It damaged 50 more. 16 people were killed. Uh, and, and it was just a tragedy. That same day, 13 miles to the north of my house, another F5 tornado struck the little town of Hackleburg, Alabama. 75% of the town was completely wiped out. The sheriff and the EMA director for the county were, were members of my church, and, and they stationed me at the hospital as the injured were, were being brought in. Some of the people were sucked out of their basements that was supposed to be their safe place. They were killed by falling debris. There seemed to be no escape. 18 people were killed, 100 more injured in a little town of 1,500. The strange thing is, and here's the confusing thing about disaster, some people lost everything. Other people lost nothing at all. And so the siren of disaster raises questions. It raised questions for the people of our community back in 2011, and perhaps the, this COVID-19 disaster is raising questions in your own heart and in the hearts of others around the world. Some died. Some didn't. Some still will, some won't. The storm may hit my house and skip yours. So what's the message in the siren of disaster? Well, the people of Jesus' day had some of these same questions, and they wanted to know what it meant when disaster hits one group of people and didn't hit another. So we turn our attention to Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. The Gospel of Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And some people were having a conversation with Jesus, and we pick up the story. Now, on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans. This group of Galileans, there was a tragedy there, whose pilot had, had mixed 
their, their blood, the blood of these Galileans with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So the fact is that sometimes we find ourselves living in seasons of disaster, and that's what where we are right now, and that's the first point of my message, is that, is that we're all living in this season of disaster, and every disaster leaves us with questions. If you go back to the year 2011 that I referenced earlier, not only were there was there disaster in the area where I was living, but in, over in Japan, there was a tsunami, an earthquake, and a tsunami, and a nuclear disaster. It left 18,500 people dead. That same year, in 2011, in Minamar, an earthquake hit. In the little village of Kayakuni, there was a Baptist church holding a consecration service for young people trained for the ministry. 24 of them were killed and 57 injured. That earthquake hit while they were praying. That same year, 2011, in May, another massive tornado, as a matter of fact, I think it's still the worst one that's hit our country since 1947, it hit Joplin, Missouri. 158 people were killed and over 1,100 injured. And so that year was a season of disaster for many community communities around the globe, and it left people with questions about what that might mean. That's where we are right now. Now, presently, there is no tornado siren going off in the city where I live. There is no activation of the national emergency broadcast system, but there is a siren sounding. It's the siren of disaster. It sounds from time to time in this community or that or in this nation or that, but this time the siren of disaster has, has sounded around the globe. We're living, as we sometimes do, in the season of disaster. But the second point I want to make to you this morning is that there is a moral question raised by disaster. That moral question was raised in Jesus' day, and it's probably being raised by some of you today. How are we to interpret disaster? Is disaster an indication of the judgment of God? Should we conclude that the scene of a greater disaster implies the presence of a greater concentration of sin? In other words, when it's all said and done, the country where there are the most people have died or the greatest percentage of people has died of COVID-19, does that country have the greatest concentration of sin? That's the way it was interpreted in Jesus' day. And knowing that, Jesus referred to these two events that were fresh in the memory of his listeners. Pilate, who was noted for his cruel cruelty, had gone into Galilee and, and taken some of those people and, and murdered them and taken their blood and mixed it with the sacrifices they were offering. They were worshiping, and he killed them. And so Jesus said, were these people the worst sinners of all the people in Galilee? And they did think that because that was the prevalent belief of that day. In their mind, suffering was connected with sin, so therefore they must have been terrible sinners. And the second event was the Tower of Siloam. It was just a, it was simply a natural disaster, as sometimes happened. Buildings collapsed. Uh, 
car wrecks happened, all sorts of things, and, and this tower collapsed and 18 people were killed. It came without warning. And so did this disaster befall those 18, Jesus said, because they were worse sinners than everybody else who lived in that community? That would have been the collective mindset of the day, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, no, that's not why that happened. So what's the answer to the moral question in the aftermath of the now 280,000 people, that's the death toll today, who died from COVID-19? Were these people greater sinners because disaster hit them and not someone else? Well, Jesus answered the moral question raised by disaster with a resounding no, and instead went on to explain, and here's the third point of the message, the spiritual certainty announced by disaster. There was a spiritual certainty announced by that tower falling. There was a spiritual certainty announced by what happened to the Galileans, and there is a spiritual certainty being announced by what's happening in our world today. Now, uh, you may be fortunate to escape disaster, but that says nothing about your goodness, your virtue, or your spiritual standing before God. Because Jesus said about those people who died, not only about the people who died, but about the people who didn't die. He said, your sin is as great in the eyes of God as that of anyone anywhere in the world. Don't let your personal immunity from disaster lead you to believe that the judgment of God is not hanging over your head. It hangs like the crushing weight of the Tower of Siloam or the swift sword of Pilate or the overwhelming flood of some horrific tsunami or the roar of a terrible hurricane or the silent approach of some deadly disease. In one fell swoop, God's judgment will fall. Don't assume that because God's timetable doesn't fit yours or because it doesn't fit someone's chart that you've seen that the danger is past. A date is set on God's calendar. We read that in the Bible. It's unseen by our eyes and unknown to us and as unpredictable as an earthquake. When the judgment of God comes, there will be nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Therefore, Jesus said, with all the urgency of his heart, with compassion and passion, he looked at those people and he said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Listen, it's one thing to die. It's another thing altogether to perish. It's one thing to lose your life, and soon we will reach that 300,000 number. It's, it's moving toward that every day who've, who've lost their lives to this virus. But it's another thing entirely to lose your soul. To lose your life is to die. To lose your soul to hell is to perish. And Jesus said like those 18 people died when the tower came crashing down upon them, the judgment of God would come crashing down upon his listeners. And unless they repented of their sins, they would most certainly perish. We are living in a season of disaster. We all know that. But seasons of disaster only forewarn us of a catastrophe beyond the capacity of the human mind to understand our human language to describe. Jesus warned about it also in the Gospel of Luke. He said, in chapter 21, verses 34 and 35, he said, Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come 
upon all those who live on the earth. I was in Walmart yesterday swarming with people, people who, who have no concern whatsoever about the fact that there's a virus in the world because they're all immune from that virus. Everybody, of course, is going to get somebody else. It's not going to get me. That's how we all live in the face of disaster. It'll happen at somebody else's house. It won't happen at mine. But Jesus said there's something else coming that's going to come on you like a trap. And you'll not know about it. And you'll not be ready for it. And you need to be alert. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and impending things are hastening upon them. Those impending things talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 32 relate to something that God knows, but I don't. Something that God knows, but you don't. Something that God knows that the best and brightest minds in government have no clue about. What is about to happen in our world? We don't know. What's going to happen in your life? You don't know the, when it's going to happen. And he talks about a date, a date marked on his calendar. What date is that? Well, it's the date of the next coming calamity. It's the date of the next disaster. It's the date of your death. It's the date of the second coming of Christ. It's the date of judgment. We're living in a season of disaster. And the season of disaster is a warning, alerting us to the spiritual certainty that awaits all people. And with all the compassion of our Lord's heart, we need to hear today what he said. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I would submit to you that the season of disaster is also the season of examination. Because in the very next verses... In Luke chapter 13, after discussing the problem, the moral question of disaster, he tells a parable in verses 6 through 9. He began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. By telling this parable, Jesus was trying to reinforce in their minds the urgency of the hour in which they lived. They were all living, and we are all living in the season of examination. God is examining our lives. He's looking at our lives and he's looking for fruit. And the fruit God is looking for is the fruit of repentance. And these disasters that happen all around the globe are warnings to us uh, of, of an appointment with God. And the only be, way to be ready for that appointment is to repent of our sins. Repentance requires that I understand that in the eyes of God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner no less than, the, than, than, than those were whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. I'm a sinner uh, no less than the 280,000 people who died from this coronavirus. And God has one word for sinners today, the same as he had in the days of Jesus, unless you repent you'll all likewise perish. It's one thing to die. It's quite another thing to repent. That's the fate that awaits every sinner who refuses to repent, who refuses to turn from their sin 
and turn to God. Now, we all know here in the South that a tornado watch means that uh, conditions are right for a tornado to form. But a tornado warning means a storm is on the way. And we need to move to our safe place now. We hear that all the time. We are not, you and I, we are not under a judgment watch. We are under a judgment warning from God. And that means that you must move to your safe place now. You don't have a safe room in your house to hide from the judgment of God. There's not a church where you can hide from the judgment of God. The only place you can be safe from the judgment of God is on your knees as you repent of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says will happen on, on a day to come. A great calamity is coming on the world when the Bible says in the book of Revelation, the sky will be split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island will be moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich men and the strong and every slave and every free man will hide themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains and they will say to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, but there will be nowhere to hide. Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, God is declaring. That means it's in the present tense. It's in the process of happening right now, today, even as I'm preaching, even as I'm listening. God is declaring to all people everywhere that they should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by having raised him from the dead. How close is God's judgment? I don't know how close it is for you, but I know this. Every one of those people, 280,000 of them, who died from the coronavirus have faced the judgment of God. Now you can say, how in the world can you say that? That's so cruel of you to say. It's not cruel of me to say. It's exactly what the Bible says. Because the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. After you die, you'll face the judgment of God. After I die, I will face the judgment of God. After these people died, they face the judgment of God. The judgment of God is coming on our world. The season of disaster is the season of examination. It's the season when God looks at my life and your life to see if we're ready to repent, to see if our lives have brought forth the fruit of repentance. So what does he see when he looks at your life? But let me also remind you that as we look at this passage of Scripture, first, the moral question raised by the season of disaster, and then the season of examination as Jesus lays out this parable, he also shows us that we are living, in spite of all the disaster happening around us, we're living in the season of mercy. If you'll notice, you will see that as Jesus tells this parable, he makes it clear that the owner of the vineyard has come back first the first year, and then the second year, and now the third year, and the fig tree hasn't brought forth fruit. Uh, of course, Jesus is comparing that fig tree to the lives of people like you and me as God comes to examine our lives and he comes and he looks and he, he sees no fruit. And so he says, we need to cut it down. Why is it taking up space? Cut it down. It's born no fruit. No repentance. 
cut it down. But for the intercession of the vineyard keeper, the vineyard keeper said, why not let's give it one more chance? Let's give it one more year. Let's give it one more opportunity. Let's do what we can to fertilize it and see if we can't cause the tree to bring fruit. And if not, then cut it down. But right now you're living in the season of mercy because your life has not been cut down by some virus. Your life has not been taken away by some disaster. But Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. The season of mercy is short. A day is coming sooner than you think when God will say of your life, if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Can any person listening today tell me how much longer you have left? Can you tell me how much more season of mercy that you have, how many hours or days it will be, how long before God issues decree, the decree over your life or mine? Cut it down. I share with you one other verse before I close. It's a statement made by John the Baptist when he was preaching calling for people to bring forth fruit of repentance. It comes from Luke chapter 3, verse 9. It says simply this, The axe, the axe, is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the truth from the Word of God. The truth out of the mouth of John the Baptist. The truth out of the mouth of Jesus. The truth out of the, the mouth of the Apostle Paul that God is in the process of declaring to all men everywhere that we should repent. Because if we don't repent, Jesus said, there's a disaster awaiting us that's worse than any virus, worse than any tornado, Worse than any tragedy that we could imagine, it is the judgment of God.